Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Dew. And I have Dan Marshall, who is sitting in the Toronto area. And I feel that I have just come across the mother load of cycling events, fat bike, gravel, mountain bike with Dan here. Cause like he has a ton that we're going to talk about. So maybe you've heard of them. There's the fat bike festival is actually happening right now. So we're going to be uh, talking a little bit about that. We got the beach race, which is a mountain bike race. We got, and he's got his gravel series, which is a scrappy badger screaming squirrel and the eager beaver. And I feel that they all have some sort of, you know, wilderness <laughs> connection. So I'm so excited to have you here, Dan. This is amazing. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. All right. So the first thing that I love to ask is always like, how did you get into cycling and how did you that land you into being an event organizer to all of these events? Take it away, sure. Dan. One one minor correction first. So the beach race is actually not a mountain bike race. Oh, I thought you did. I thought you said it was. The beach race is a beach race. And oh. it's very, so it's that's a funny one because it was last year, it was going to be a mountain bike race, but there were some environmental concerns about some salamanders on the trails that time. So they said, let's not do it. And we switched to a beach race because beach races are huge in the Netherlands and Belgium. Um, mm. From there. So it's actually... The guys on the mountain bikes found that they 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 were like ah mountain bikes work but they preferred um gravel bikes and cyclocross bikes ended up being what dominated. really yeah because you go across <laughs> the, and you ride along the, the whole idea is you kind of find that area where the water is splashed up and pack the yeah and then you ride faster across there and then turkey point beach has all these pipes that come out like these uh like um just rainwater drainage pipes uh -huh. around them so then you got to jump over them and then we put some uh inflatable palm trees out to pretend that you're somewhere warm and sunny not somewhere <laughs> cold and sunny uh because it's <laughs> april it's april in lake erie i mean um yeah yeah last time and we yeah last time someone fell in on the start line like they just kind of up the sand and went right in the water we felt really bad but they got up and had a great time and then warmed up uh, <laughs> how long was the race i think they were in the two lap race which i think was about 45 minutes for them and then we had a oh, okay that's not too bad <laughs> yeah what's also turkey point the the beach at turkey point is extremely shallow it goes out really evenly for a while mm -hmm. uh, like you can walk out a good 10 meters and you're still in your calves like it's still oh walks. okay it's not it's not as bad as some places you know it doesn't drop off um but yeah so that was just a slight correction yeah it's actually just beach race <laughs> Um, or as I to call some of our events, um, we started calling them gravel races because everyone 
relates to gravel. And that's what the market has said. But we used to just call them mm -hmm. bike races because it was, you can do it on any bike you want. And some, for some people would be faster on a road bike. And for some people, we'll be faster on a mountain bike. And then some people are faster with the mixed gravel bikes. And that's what's dominated. But yeah, it's a it's just a kind of a mix of everything and kind of bringing it all together. So awesome. back to your other question, though, yeah. how it started. So I started, I grew up playing hockey at a fairly high level, playing AAA. Um, and yeah, started skating when I was two. And like just, yeah, one I think one month old is in a hockey rink watching my dad play. So definitely grew up in that realm. Uh, and then in my teens, I just discovered going and getting away from the world on a bike. Uh, and then I found out that people could race bikes. And then I think early 90s, I started racing mountain bikes. And then I got really mm -hmm. serious about it and ended up getting a pro license uh, in the late 90s and racing for a bit uh, with a, yeah, trying to make a go of it and have a good time. Um, <laughs> I, it was it was an interesting time to be mountain bike racing because there was, uh, it was, it was just growing and booming and there was things, it was, you know, changing dramatically. Um, yeah. Our race times hours plus um for an for a marathon mountain bike cross country like you'd have like these 15 16k laps it would be two and a half hours and so if you weren't if you're were off that day you could be out there for close to three hours for a cross country race you know yeah. and now we're down to an hour 10 so it's it's yeah and they're shorter tracks now so they're much more spectator friendly uh we just ride off into the wilderness and, <laughs> and race against each other then you hey. People spectator, they'd be waiting 45 minutes to see you again. It was not, it was fun, but it wasn't a good spectator sport for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then in university, I decided that, you know, the, in the States, I read um, uh, Julie Furtado started mountain bike racing in university and at one U.S. college. And so did Missy Giovi. And I thought, well, why don't we have that here? So I started the Ontario Mountain Bike Series for universities. Um, oh, my God. Cool. So where were you going to university at that time? Uh, but 90, like 94, 95, I started. So through the late 90s. So I started the University of Ontario, Ontario University Cup. Um, and it's actually funny because Tim Farrar was running Ontario Cycling at the time. And he's now the, he's the race director for Paris Ancaster. Um, oh. And so Tim was extremely helpful. He said, yeah, you want to university racing? We're going to found this, this sneaky way to insure it. So it's cheaper to keep the cost down. He gave us leftover <laughs> number plates. Do you want to share that sneaky way for like the rest of us? <laughs> Still working on it, but uh, it wasn't sneaky. It was just registering the series in a certain way that made it more affordable for um, yeah, seriously. to get started and get new, new, uh, new riders out. So mm -hmm. yeah, started that and was racing. And then after university went off and tried various other careers, worked as a, uh, team leader in operations at an insurance company. Um, and I just got out with my life. Uh, it was so boring. I almost died. Um, <laughs> I just, that was not for me. Um, I tried to, you know, and a few other different avenues worked in a small business. And I realized that I was kind of the happiest and had the most fun. And I loved the challenge of running the university races. Um, I mean, we did back then we had a, a stage race at Mansfield. Uh, I still remember, all the guys were there's four of us there we were running it together like they're helping me out with stuff and we were also racing and so we had like our you know our girlfriends or friends come and do the timing so we could race and then we did the afternoon race but there's this three three stage stage race and the and the four of us were also all the four leaders of the race uh and just battling <laughs> elbow to elbow and then eating pizza all night getting up in the morning and just feeling horrible on the start line and we're all like passing pizza around on the start line and then hammered the sunday race <laughs> And we still got, you know, first through fourth. Uh, and just, it was just this dumb stuff you get away with when you're 20 uh, uh -huh. <laughs> on start line. Great nutrition. Uh, still very, very popular though. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had pizza in the middle of a race once or twice just for fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, I just said, you know, this is dumb. Why, why am I going to try on these other jobs when, you know, let's go and try make a go of running bike races. So we started out running the Ontario Marathon Series back in 2008 um and have been building it and then evolving and and following the the market and the industry um the eager beaver actually was originally a 100 mile mountain bike race so we did a mountain bike miles yeah 160k um and that wasn't we weren't getting the participation everyone was going to do uh mohican down in the states and uh and lumberjack so we said all right well while scouting for that i'd come across these really cool tracks and road allowances across the road on across airport road because mansfield uh outdoor centers on one side airport road and mansfield ski clubs on the other but i never found sort of a way to get across the road safely and i couldn't find a place to start and finish it so eventually we looked at uh i said okay let's stop the mountain bike race because we're that's that's not quite working uh found a new position to start the race and then built a whole course around incorporating all those cool features i found and found some new ones and mm-hmm. then we restarted as the Eager Beaver gravel race, the Eager Beaver 100. Um, and it's evolved and it's moved. It was originally up in Duntroon at uh, Highlands Nordic, which is amazing facility. But um, there was a closure of some other property that meant that we couldn't use that route anymore. So we moved it down mm. to Mansfield Ski Club, who's been a ton of fun. And if you're looking for a place to ski close to the city uh, on a private club, check them out. Um, <laughs> that's Mansfield. Good, Chris. Yeah, Mans- Mansfield Ski Club on Airport Road. Um, <laughs> fantastic to work with. So we host it, and it's a bit of an evil start. The first time we ran up the ski hill for the start. Oh gosh! Kind of zigzagging and switchbacking across. It filters people out nicely. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> and it finishes up kind of a bunny hill. What does not feel like a bunny hill at the end of 100 kilometers? Um, oh, you nasties! nasty finishes on the hills oh god you're like as if i hadn't had enough (laughs) i need to go up a hill to finish (laughs) but it spreads people out the one thing is is with a slight uphill finish or an uphill finish it is much safer because when people are sprinting and you don't want especially when you have mass start events Mm -hmm. like that sprint race where they're finishing at 70 kilometers an hour it looks really cool unless your 14 year old child is riding in the short course and is a little slower and it's their first time and they're a little cautious and they go by at 70k to this finish um then it doesn't look as cool so we kind of keep that mm. in mind that we celebrate the awesome people uh who are doing great things um uh, like uh, ian ackert who just got 11th at world championships for cyclocross uh I, we have a picture of him doing a wheelie with his friend at the eager beaver uh, a few years ago in the middle of a 100 mile mountain bike race he just decides to throw a wheelie for uh for the camera so we have like great riders and we love them but we also really want to make sure that anyone who's coming out just to compete with themselves or coming out to see if they can do it uh, mm-hmm. or to be friends, you know, we want them to feel comfortable and safe as well. Um, so uphill finish or slight uphill finish, it, it is a lot safer in that regard, at least. Um, and, although it's a little evil, we'll admit. <laughs> it's okay. It's I get the point. Yeah. It's, it slows yeah. everybody down for the finish. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's really funny to see the ones that don't really slow down that much. Like the guys, and you get a good picture. Yeah, Those... <laughs> yeah, and well, yeah. I, I was more thinking you're in focus. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. So it's not just a blur going by and you can't see the number. Yeah, um, yeah. So we've just kind of evolved over time, and we were, you know, we were running the mountain bike marathon series, and someone said, you know, fat bikes are picking up. We want to run a fat bike series, 
well, the uh, uh, Cycle Solutions came and said, we want to sponsor a fat bike series. And we worked with them and we, you know, had a, a fat bike series for a while. And so it's just kind of evolved like that. And, you know, the gravel. Is that where and- the fat bike festival came out? It just sort of evolved into that instead? Yeah. Something yeah different? So absolutely. Yeah. They, we had the fat bike series and we had up to like five races at one point. And it was always challenging because the weather, it, if you don't believe in global warming, that's fine. But the weather's getting chaotic. And it was mm-hmm. and it used to be, even in the time we ran it, you could tell a difference between at the start, you know, like you could kind of predict some weather. And then as it got on, we were having, well, weather like right now, where there's a massive melt in February and you need to plan insurance, you need to book venues, you need to book the first aid company. There's a lot that you can't, it's challenging to run a race without a lot of notice. You generally set your mm-hmm. schedule, you know, six to eight to 10 months ahead. And yeah. with the winter stuff, we we're having too many, that we'd have to cancel or that would have virtually no one show up because it was raining, which is understandable. Um, Because when you have a foot of snow and then you have rain that turns into an extremely slick ice because it's packed. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So it just got to be the point where we couldn't run, you couldn't do what we needed to. So that's why we've come back. And then COVID, it just kind of crushed it because things were closed for winters uh, Mm -hmm. for most of the COVID. And so now coming back, we said, well, let's, we had people saying, are you, we're doing fat bike. We want fat bike races and events. So he said, well, we're going to try it this way and see if we can do this flash race idea. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of glad we did because if it was this coming weekend, it would be a terrible race, you know, and even this past weekend, it was kind of soft and a lot of the trails, some places were great. So with having that flexibility of saying, you know, the race is going to be in February. <laughs> yeah. We'll do it. We'll let you know. Yeah. And and we've already, the the insurance company that we're working with has been great because we just said, you know, here, here are the dates we think it's going to be. So write this date down, but can we change it with a week's notice? And they've, they're fine with that. Like they'll still insure it. Yeah. As long as the paperwork's all done. Right. There's just the dates. Exactly. I need to get that insurance company from you. I've, I, we have one for our club and our, in my event, but it's always interesting seeing what else is out there as well like we have a pretty good deal through the club with our event like we just pay a little bit extra which yeah. makes it really reasonable but yeah no, one thing i didn't realize i really didn't reach out where where is your club where are you i'm in ottawa oh okay yeah we, so have an event. we used to have the ottawa people come down especially for the kingston race but yeah it's a bit of a and we had when we were doing uh like perry sound and bracebridge we had you know people coming we had some quebec riders coming over and having a good time but um, so what event is it you're doing in Ottawa? Well, I just started last year. It's a woman's gravel race in oh. July. Yeah. So I'm focusing on the ladies um, and it'll be the, well, we've in the past, we'll say the, say the past five years, we partnered with the FQSC, the Quebec Federation and did a time trial. So we put a time trial on their calendar because there wasn't really one. And to me, it's the easiest to organize out of all races like road and crit. And you just need, you know, just let people go every 30 seconds and they go and they, I don't have to worry about pelotons and maybe the odd like slipping and some gravel or whatever. But yeah. um, and so and that worked out really well. Um, yeah. Our our course was probably the hilliest out of any time trial course. <laughs> But, you know, and it was low traffic. Um, it was an area that a lot of people are familiar with. Um, and uh, and we had a, like a restaurant that we could use as our venue for after right. and during. Um, we had parking there. So it worked out. And then I and then Dan 
I got a gravel bike. Okay. <laughs> and then I participated in Hurton and Halliburton two years okay. ago. So the first yeah. time. And then I was just like, oh my God. Because I started as a mountain biker down. Oh, so wait, so the time travel was on the road. Yeah, it was a road time travel. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so it, it's a very small niche group that would time trial, right? Just like, and in Quebec, there's a lot of, um, they have like a series here, the ACVQ, which is a master's category series. And so you can get points for going to attending all these events. Ours and ours was one of them. So that drew more people, but it, I, I couldn't see it getting bigger, bigger. Um, and then I did gravel and then I heard about Barry Roubaix and I attended that and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I'm just like, you know, my heart just ain't in the time trial thing anymore. You know, like I yeah. want, I yeah. want it like we have where I live in, in Wakefield, Quebec, we're just on the cusp of all gravel north, like to, yeah. to Manawaki, basically Lake St. Marie, like everything over there is gravel. So, um, so, so there's a lot of, um, a lot of roads that people are familiar with. So I just did it quickly. I'm like, okay, we're going to take, uh, a 30 K 50 K just two loops, two distances. Um, I changed up really quickly, had 25 people and, um, it was, so I made it pretty basic and now I want to grow on it. And like, uh, the girls gone gravel festival in the States, like bake something yeah. big like that up here. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. So it's in July. And I notice a lot of events are not in July. Why is that? Is um, it cause it's hot. <laughs> I'm like, perfect. That's when I'm going to put mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a variety of things. I mean, it's scheduling. It's when it's, I know, scheduling races is i think a lot more complicated than most people think um because i the one event our first event on on may 6th it was may 6th and then we found out that there was a lacrosse tournament at the venue that was hosting the start oh yeah and we're like okay may 7th is great we can work with that everyone who works at the bike shop could come out then they remembered that like a, two months later after we got <gasps> that, like oh no we because we we use a a recreation center that has a lot of parking and showers and we can make food and and it's right on the it's, it's on a, a cool 80 kilometer gravel loop um yeah. you look up the video or uh i don't know if you've seen stuff from team colin uh, oh team colin yeah he he does a lot he comes up to a lot of my events um and he's through through the events he's become a really good friend and he uh i convinced him to do a um a blog which he's done and it's really, really sincere and really heartfelt, but he did, he's done some blogs on uh, that course. It's rolling and gravel and it's just mm. it's close to the city, but um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, <clears throat> but then they discovered, oh, right. We've got a softball <clears throat> league starts that weekend. So we have to bump you back to the Saturday and that's just with one little thing. So you multiply that over all the different venues <clears throat> and yeah, yeah. With horse events and you're competing with other events. Plus there's the other balancing the other events in that discipline and then balancing the other events that are related. So the mountain and the gravel scene, sorry, definitely have some overlap. Like so mm -hmm. the mountain gravel road, and there's there's different overlaps in different ways. And so you have to try to pay attention. Um, but it makes it it definitely makes it challenging. And I think that for us, like it's just the early season, people are really gung-ho on the gravel. Mm -hmm. And for the mountain, the venues we're working with, like as I mentioned before, Turkey Point, amazing trails, amazing club, um, another shameless plug um 
Longpoint Eco Adventures, which hosts the events, so they're the the facility where we actually start and that goes into the Turkey Point Park. Like they have glamping and and um, oh. nice accommodation and conference center and restaurants, and they have their own brewery on site. Um, so they're happy to have us. But again, it's that we don't want to go down there. We can't go down there in the spring. Um, it's very busy in the dead of summer because it goes with the race goes through a provincial park campground. Oh yeah. <laughs> So we basically, that's so that's now in October, simply because that's, so this, there's a lot of little factors to the scheduling. Um, and the Kingston race, they've never had to close the trails in September for rain. So that's the safest time to run it there. So it's, it's little things, if you'll ask, how do you set the calendar? It's it's a lot of experience and not what you would necessarily expect as the criteria. Um, yeah. And so July just happens to have been a bit of a weird this year. Yeah, there's a lot of us not doing it. I know. Uh, Reggie Ramble is in, in July, but yeah, there's not a ton of gravel. I, I don't know if he's doing it this year. Let's we'll see. Yeah, we'll find out. I know, because like last year I did it, and okay. and he's like, "Well, I'm not sure about next year." <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad I did it this year then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny because his the the that course overlaps. It uses a few shared roads with our uh, Scrappy Badger course. Oh, cool. So yeah, you're there. You're the in that side. area. Yeah. The Scrappy Badger is in Baltimore, Ontario, which is, uh, no one knows where that is. It's up the road from Coburg. Um, oh yeah. I know where Coburg is. Yeah. yeah. And the course, actually, it's funny. The race course initially scoots down and it goes right beside like a fence away from the 401 for about oh. 500 meters, then back up and into the, you, you would never guess when you're near civilization for most of it. Um, yeah, that's yeah. And cool. then the next one is the one after that's up in Mono, Ontario, which is just north of Brampton. Um, in terms of stuff that people might know. I mean, oh, so you have them Georgia. all over. Yeah, now we have there, and then well, and then up in um Mansfield, which is just a little further up Airport Road near Alliston. So yeah, wow. there. yeah, have to make it you'll have to make it down this year. Check them out. Yeah. Bring your I friend. will. It's it's yeah. just like, oh my god, there's so many things happening. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they're starting to move into the fall which is usually when i stay take my break you know because right. like the summer is just like full-on by september october i'm like i don't even want to get on my bike anymore i've done so much and then all these like really cool gravel races are starting to like creep into october and like i'm like stop it yeah, <laughs> our season's extending <laughs> we suggested the falls for mountain biking um simply because that's when we run our mountain bike races right now <laughs> that's the entire explanation for it um yeah i know that, that that's in there's there's usually uh fun events to do and and lots of different places to go and all that sort of stuff it's funny you did barry roubaix though because i think that's did you do the 100k or the 60k i did the uh, i did the 100k okay. 100k yeah so I, uh, I interviewed Matt. So about last time, last year, this time, and I'm like, whoa, this seems pretty cool. I'm like, I, I do you remember last year, this time it was like quantum difference from what it is now. Like COVID is still like kind of shut things down. Like, I can't believe it. We've, it's been a year since last year. And so I was just like, oh, I've got to go to this event. Like, I don't care. I, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get in the States. Like, you know, yeah. like all these things. And I just, I just, 
I, um, he gave me a free pass to come and I just sat there and I waited and I waited because I'm just like, you know, every like policies were changing and like, Oh, okay, yeah, you can sure. go into the States, That's... you can't come back in, you know, these type of things. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm still going, like, I'm not canceling, like, I just need to get out of the house. I'm like, I don't care how long it takes me to get there. And literally it took me like 14 hours. I went That's across. a drive from Ottawa. Oh, <laughs> Well, typically, if you go through Sarnia, it's nine hours. I did not want to travel that far and then possibly get turned away. So my mind says I went through Thousand Islands, which is much okay, closer right. to me. And I got over. So then I was overland through there. I didn't want to go through Buffalo. You know, so I, I was like somewhere in, in New York State. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I, I just want to get out of here before it gets dark. Yeah, I've done a few races down in, uh, in, I, I do, uh, for fun, I also do 100 mile mountain bike races. Um, oh, for fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've start to <clears throat> deal with some injuries, but I start to kind of get going after four hours. So um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a different kind of race, but they're all, they're all in the States. So I've driven through the, like going down to races through, uh, yeah, uh, is that I-90 goes across the top of New York and Pennsylvania? Mm -hmm. Yeah, all through, all through that stuff. It's at least, yeah. it's a good, easy drive. Yeah. So, all right. So we're going to go over everything that Dan has to offer. And I forgot to mention at the beginning, but if you're still listening and you're listening to this episode, take down this code to get a rebate off of any one of his gravel events. Use the code Sylvie. So don't forget, use the code Sylvie at checkout for any one of his gravel events. So that's Scrappy Badger, Screaming Squirrel, and Eager Beaver, and you will get a rebate at checkout. So don't forget that, I'll mention it at the end, and I forgot to do it at the beginning, but okay. So now, right now, Dan, you have the Fat Bike Festival. Let's talk about that because it started Feb 4th, which was last weekend to the 26th. How well, was somewhere, so it's somewhere in that range. So the whole idea is we're going to have a fat bike festival. Oh, and, you know, this is the the like it's in February, but I'm not quite sure when. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. We're calling it a flash race and it's, it. I, I don't think it, it's probably been done, but we haven't really seen examples. We didn't have a great example to sort of follow. So we're just making up as we go, um, which is what I tend to enjoy doing anyways. Um, it's part of the fun of running different races, is new experiences. So with this, the idea is, again, we don't know the weather's going to be. It's unpredictable. So sometime in February, we're going to have a fat bike race. But we're also going to have, they're, we're going to, um, it's going to be including, uh, you know, a bowl of chili. I think Good Lot Beer is coming with some samples. Uh, yeah. Fun. Uh, fresh boiled like with your chili. And then there will be a race, a two-lap race or a one-lap race. And there will also be a poker ride um oh you want to go about race, that go for it if you want to do a poker run go for that too if you just want to hang out and chirp your friends and try to push some more from the downhill or throw snow at them just as long as we don't see it have fun it was the uh -huh. poker run because usually i've heard about this in like motorcycles yeah it's come over from that and it's for it's for me it's for people who want to come out and participate in an event and be there yeah aren't really all that interested in the whole racing and timing thing right yeah so basically you just go ride around everyone kind of starts from the same time you ride around and there's stops along the route and you pick up a playing card and you get back with five playing cards and now we have learned mark the playing cards to match their number plate or else <laughs> meeting the friends 
smart. How long did it take you to figure that out? Right. Um, <laughs> even though they're not there to compete, they're competitive, apparently. Um, there isn't one person that isn't competitive on some sort of level. I am convinced. <laughs> so yeah, it's just whoever has the best poker hand wins the prize at the end. Yeah. Nice. I like that. And so it, yeah. what's their route? Is their route like, how long is their route? Uh, I, it's well, we said 10 K, uh, oh, okay. in the mountain oh, bike and gravel world distances are generally, you know, 10 K 20 K. So I think that what they finally came out with, because well, things change. Make sure you bring food and clothes. water. <laughs> no, we, we try to keep it to the spirit of the distance. So if we say 10 K, I think that the, the one that they've got mapped out at Mansfield for us is 11.1 K or something like that. Right. So it's right in there, but they figured, you know, we can, we can add a kilometer, but skipping the long climb. Right. Oh, so okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> balance it out that it's, it's going to be around the right amount of time. Um, but we don't want to be doing saying it's 10 K and it turns out to be six K. That's nice. Right. Yeah, um, a... yeah. You want to be able to plan it out. So it's about 10 K. So the, the first, the two lap race goes off. Uh, and then the one lap race goes off probably around the same time. Mm -hmm. And then basically as soon as everyone's gone on to their second lap racing, then we say go to the poker run people and they go and that way they don't run into each other and the poker run people can have a great time and half the time they show up in weird costumes and and have a good time and turn their bike into a hobby horse or do all sorts of other goofy stuff and yeah ride around and just have a great time in the snow with a ton of other people oh i love it okay so that's february so for everybody who's listening um hopefully Sometime. the event yeah you'd be like oh my god february is almost done we got to do this <laughs> well i'll tell you it's not this weekend because i don't know the forecast is in ottawa but the forecast for mansfield is uh like seven degrees tomorrow and a bit of rain um so they're gonna go out and be doing some grooming stuff but it does not look like it's gonna be great conditions for the weekend and mm -hmm. that's we haven't set the date so we're just we posted this morning on our social media channels hey no fat play grace this weekend forecast looks like crap so check in next monday so basically we're gonna post on monday uh, that we've, and we put this out there Monday, we say whether or not the race is happening and registration opens when we say it's happening. Um, right. so that way, yeah, there's no commitment, but it is, uh, space is limited. So yeah, jump mm -hmm. on it when it sells out, it sells out. So yeah. All right. Well, you know, we just got more snow, so yeah. we're, and, and it's supposed to be, well, it's supposed to be, what day is it? Monday? <laughs> Like it was, it was like minus 30 a couple of days ago. And now it's, it's kind of getting up to like maybe minus five. So yeah, it's Friday. We had minus 30, actually the crossing guard. I just ran into for my kid's school. He was like, I can't believe they went to school. It's negative 40 on Friday. And I'm like, ah, it's Canada. You gotta get tough. Oh my somewhere. gosh. Yeah. No kidding. All right. I kind of lost you somewhere. All right. Hold on. I'm going to find you. Oh, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> just like Here. hit my mouse and you disappeared and um, i'm like oh you know you got all these windows open anyways uh so all right so when's the next one after february so after is february we have april and i should have this all written in front of me i was running around with some is stuff that right the beach race because i have the dates for yeah. all the gravel ones i just don't have the other ones well it, conveniently if you ever go to our social media or instagram uh, it is in our store. They just, we have it set up. So it's a repeating story just so you can always find it. it's always our last story. Oh, uh, I, I like just, that. I so by the way, his, um, 
website is substanceprojects.com. Yeah. Substance, <laughs> substanceprojects.com. And that's where you can find all, all of the events. So the next one, I don't know when the beach one is because that's got the fat 14, bike. 14. Oh, and by the way, if everyone's wondering, because it also comes up once in a while, uh, Substance came because I was a, really liked the New Order album. Um, <laughs> I like the graphics. I was just really cool. So, oh, that's a good name for a company, Substance. And we've done some other things out of the bike world. So we said, well, yeah, different projects. So, yeah, that, that's when it comes up once in a while because it's, you know, just there's a lot of different things going on and try to our mandate is to leave the leave the town and the world the place a little bit better when we're done with it and just to try to get people to go out and ride a bike and we generally think it's going to make people feel better and if everyone just want to roll the bike a little bit more we think it'd be a little bit better out there so it's kind of our direction and mandate and yeah and just that so that's where substance comes in because people are like where does that come from like it's just a really good album. Uh, <laughs> yeah. new order previous to that the joy division substance was pretty good too so yeah <laughs> Anyways, yes. nothing so, to do with narcotic. No, no, definitely not. No, no. <laughs> I have some friends like, is that what I'm like? No, no, I'm the boring one. I just go ride my bike. <laughs> okay, Dan. So can we talk like about what it means to be an event organizer and like budgeting and like you talked a lot about the um you know the the calendar which yeah. it, it, it plays a big role based on what everything, what else is happening in the community because you're using the same facilities. Um, but let's, do you mind if I ask? Cause I didn't mention that we we're gonna talk about this. Um, but I mean, because- I'm gonna leave some details out because a lot, I think a big part of it is learning from experience, right? There, uh, like there's some- How long of- have you been doing it? Sorry, by the way. Yeah, uh, since 2008. You know, okay so yeah so it's over of, 10 yeah. years you're gonna fail there's gonna be some duds there's gonna be some challenges and the market's also a pretty it's a it's a challenging space yeah uh, it changes a lot like when we started off marathon mountain bike racing looked like it was going to be kind of a great new direction and it did well and we had a lot of people and it was interesting um but it's not the market it once was uh mm. and the cross-country olympic distance which, I mean, back when I was racing, it was just cross-country. Now they have cross-country Olympic, cross-country stage, all these different divisions. Um, so, and if it's, we also managed to get the website xcmarathon.com because um, the code with the UCI is XCM for cross-country marathon or mm-hmm. XCM for cross-country Olympic, um, which is a multi-lap. The cross-country Olympic is what most people think of mountain bike racing for cross-country, right? It's multi-laps and it's what you see in the Olympics. Cross-country marathon is one big lap uh, or two right. big um, yes. And they're, they're changing the rules. The minimum distance is now, I think, 25 kilometers a lap. Um, but and it's there's maximums and all with the UCI that no one really pays attention to except for worlds. Um, <laughs> well, they're just they're really kind of like unnecessarily specific yeah. work in certain areas. You're like, eh, no one cares. Um, but <laughs> it's kind of the, it gives you the heart of what the sport's meant to be in the designation. Um, yeah. So yeah, there, there's just a lot of learning, you know, and it changes mm-hmm. every year. Um, it changes costs every year. There's quite frankly, a really big difference running events in Ontario and Quebec. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very different, uh, a regulatory environment for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, different uh, community involvement and government involvement uh, in different places. Um, it's funny cause Ottawa, I mean, the fat biking should be amazing up there. Um, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more population in kind of the GTA. 
And right. so with the volume of people, the GTA seems like it's going to be a great place, but unfortunately it's harder to get consistent conditions here. Um, and it's this funny thing that, yeah, like it's there's, if you look population distribution and try to run your, and try to run events that people can get to in a reasonable time, um, it, it's challenging because there's, it's, it's finding venues. Um, and that's, so yeah, anyways, there, what, what would you like to know? Cause there's, you know, 15 well, years. I'd like to know about sponsors. By yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> sponsors than budget. Yeah. And uh <laughs> no, all that because because uh, like I'm just starting. Right. And I've I've scraped the service a little bit doing that time trial, but you know, I never really reached out for sponsors to supplement the cost. Right? right. Whether it's like, I don't know what sponsors do these days. Is it more product? Do you get money sponsors? Like how hard is that? And when do you start looking for those things? Sponsors, you want to be looking a year, year and a half in advance. Oh God. Don't tell me Realistic. that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's just how it works out there. Cause they're all planning their cycles. Like, mm -hmm. by the way, can you hear a dog in the background? I apologize if you can. We have an adorable uh, no. Northern Rescue pup who oh, is a little bit, but the day. don't worry about it. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> a sweet little guy, but he's got opinions right now, apparently. Um, <laughs> it's a good thing he's cute. Uh, so, yeah, with sponsors, I mean, it really depends on the relationship and what you can offer and what you can present. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, we have we've had cash sponsors. We don't tend to I don't tend to disclose too much exactly what it is. Yeah, but it you know right now at the moment i mean we're working with cannondale and we've been with cannondale because because they have a great product that we believe in. like i actually like when i, I was on a, on a bit of a trip and then some and there's some sketchy situations i found myself in and i was on a cannondale topstone and it worked flawlessly because when when i'm out they're like i trust that product and that's what we're going to represent mm -hmm. um and so i think that's one big thing is that always working only with organizations that you can 100 believe in and agree with and like that this is the stuff that we use when we're out um i think that's one thing and so it's and it's relationship and the people at cannondale that i've worked with at the canadian office you know canadian and provincial office they're really great people and they are really supportive they're really supportive of the sport and they're supportive of the industry they're supportive of the events uh and they're fantastic to work with and that's that's a big thing for us. Like I, I happily wear the Cannondale stuff because I ride their stuff. My kids' bikes are Cannondales. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're riding down the trail and the, the bike that I'm going to trust, like, yeah, it's, and, and that kind of matters to me. And it's, I would say sponsorship is really that relationship and it kind of starts with local. Um, and yeah, in terms of, uh, yeah, when you get them, the earlier, the better when you're working ahead, because most, most of the bike world, like they're working on, uh like 500 day lead times right 600 day lead like their their cycle is, is really far out for yeah. booking and so what's what's what their plan coming in and what their budget is that's you know by january they're kind of locked in they're usually locked in in november for the following year yeah um so that's why if you're starting in you know in july talking about next year and your events that's that's one of the biggest things and i think the biggest advice i give with sponsors is trying to talking to potential sponsors, but the most important part of the conversation is the listening and hearing like, what do they want? How can you, like, what value can you give to them? How can you help them sell stuff? Mm -hmm. How can you help represent them? Um, and then seeing what they have related to that at the moment, um, the bike industry is really weird. 
really challenging and challenged. They, I mean, and I, cause I've, we know people at different levels of the industry. Uh, and I was talking with one of our sponsors and they just said, you know, we can't do events anymore. We just don't have the budget. Um, so that we're going to still be working with that sponsor in a different way, but mm-hmm. they just were finding like they're, they're it, it wasn't working and other, other places there's, um, like there's a lack of bikes coming in and now there's a, a lot of bikes coming into some and some shops are really struggling right now. So support your local shop, wherever you are. Um, like some of them are, they're really struggling because the, it was just so turbulent all over the place. Um, and there's, you know, no money coming in when it should have been coming in. Uh, like bike shops make their year, at least back when I worked in them, uh, their year is made March, April, May, and into June. Um, and then the rest, of, there's some service and stuff, but that's your big sales year. So our sales part of the year. So if the inventory hasn't come in yet, like it did a, a couple of years ago, it you can start to stress about how you're going to pay rent. You know, so the shops are really struggling. And I think a lot of the industry is like, we need to keep the shops open. So that's where they're going to see a lot of their support. Um Right. Yeah, it's. I don't think there's there isn't isn't a blanket because we've never had with the various sponsors we've worked with. Um, I don't think we've ever had a similar arrangement with any two. It's a lot of working with them. Um, yeah. You know, Canada, we're working. One of our venues is actually, um, it's one of the co-owners of a, a bike shop, and and so it's this weird combination of like we work with them on how to make it work for both parties versus some set formulaic agreement, and it's all about. Yeah, helping. We're helping them sell. They're helping us sell. We're trying to keep everyone stoked and excited about going out riding bikes and, and enjoying mm-hmm. themselves better. Um, but yeah, it's one of those kind of a non-answer. Um. <laughs> no, but I get it. Like, because I know a lot of like I've dealt with a lot of bike stores in my day. Um, like I have a women's cycling club and it's been 15 years now. So we've, oh, awesome. yeah, I've, um, partnered with probably almost every bike shop and <laughs> that, and that I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Cause like I've go through bike shops, like, you know, <laughs> but every, everybody has their own thing that they're looking for. And I just finally, a couple of years ago, I said, I'm stop. I'm done being exclusive to one bike shop. You know, like if I can have, if I can service my clubs being like affiliated with like three bike shops in different parts of town, then it's way better for my club members and the bike shops, you know, so I'm helping more people and, um, and uh, that way. And that's kind of how I look at it now. So I think a lot of people in the industry are kind of coming around to um, recognition that, sorry, during the loons upstairs, um, the the concept of you know that the as the tide rises, all the boats come up, right? And yeah. I think a lot of people are coming around to that. If we have a healthier bike industry mm-hmm. overall, then each of the brands, each of the shops will do better. And if they're not always trying to, to cut each other out, um, that tends to go really well. Uh, and it, it's funny because occasionally dipping into working with beer sponsors and trying to get local beer companies to come out because people like a beer after a ride. Um, and that's cool. It makes them feel like they're celebrating something. So we work with them happily. And it's really been interesting to see how many of the smaller breweries, I mean, yeah, most of the bats are fighting bitterly, but the smaller your independent breweries, and your local breweries, how much they work together, like how much they're, like if they have an event and they've only got one staff person available, the other brewery will come over and borrow a shirt and help at the event. Mm-hmm. Editor brewery. Um, and I know one, I've heard, you've heard of places where something happened, something broke or there was a fire. So another brewery said, okay, well at night 
we'll make your beer and our stuff. Like they'll they'll actually make the beer for the other brewery. Oh, uh, that's nice. So there's a lot. It's interesting, yeah, to see a lot more of that kind of sharing and working together. Um, and you do see a bit of that in the bike industry. I think it's growing where everyone works together. Yeah, it's, it's brutal here. But anyways, I'm I'm glad to hear it's <laughs> it's getting better somewhere else. Well, some of the shops, but definitely at the industry level. I mean, all the sales reps, they all, if you've been, if you've worked at a bike shop, the sales reps, they all know each other. And, yeah. and ultimately speaking, I mean, they're there because they love the sport and they want to see it grow. So they're going to work with the other people and best. And they're also competitive. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like oh, yeah. they all want to beat each other because most of them, most of them come from some sort of bike racing side. If they're still in the industry, uh, if you guys are raced against are now sales reps and, Wow, we're at the, at heart. There's this there's this little competitive jerk that's down inside of us that wants to put their elbows out and get to the front. So as long as in the rules and you know playing fair, that's going to happen. But yeah, it's, so I I think yeah, your question about sponsors, it's it's building relationships, talking to them early, and listening. You know, listening to what they're doing and what fits with their um their direction and their marketing plan. Um, like I know, I don't want to name names, but I know one uh, rather large company just decided they're they're going to switch their focus only to a certain type of bike. Um, they're dropping oh. parts of their lines. Um, and so there's different, yeah. And so obviously you don't go and approach them about sponsoring another product line. Um, and again, yeah. like for Candale, it's great. I mean, they've got, I think, in my estimation, they've got like three different lines of gravel bikes. And I personally think the Synapse is a great gravel bike because it can run, I think, a 30 mil tire um, and it's crazy fast. Um, but they've got a bunch of gravel bikes and a bunch of mountain bikes. And we're actually dipping our toe into Enduro Mountain this year. Um, oh. Have some Enduro races. So it, it is great with a company like Canada because they've got great presence at a I've heard great things about them like I interviewed a gentleman in Germany uh who does um this series it's not a series well it's a one time a year it's called rad race have you seen it I have seen something about it I'm trying to remember some weird European over there yeah yeah it's in um one of those uh golf car uh, uh oh, race car, car tracks car. race car tracks okay, inside yeah. and it's like a single speed you go there and it's the last person standing that wins. Like <laughs> any problems with liability or injuries at that. Yeah. Yeah, forget it. And it's really cool. Like uh, I was like, and one of their big sponsors is Cannondale. And um it, I guess it's they've just had I think they just um shifted really much earlier than everybody else to the online space. Um and that's that's and when I and when we talk in women's Facebook gravel groups, you know, there's one question like I can't remember what brand it was, but somebody asked, like, what's the best brand of gravel bike around two thousand dollars, you know, right. for an entry level like budget, you know, <laughs> and it was a can of a lot for entry level for a sport. But yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> like, yeah, I know like, is, but yeah, for a grand to drop on a gravel bike. But um, it was a gra it was a Cannondale and a lot of like girls are like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was just like, wow, that's really cool. Like, you know, I don't see Cannondale out here too much. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's so. a lot. Yeah, because I know they've got a good presence in Quebec. But yeah, it's uh, no, they're they're great to work with. And I think that's one of the big things with sponsors. Like I like 
I know the guys at Candale and I really believe in what they're doing and like at least Candale can't have met the, the head office. Um, but yeah, it's great to work with. And if you're going to get a sponsor, get someone you can believe in someone you can talk. Like I haven't, there's no talking points. It's just stuff I've experienced. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I, I just, yeah, they're awesome bikes and they're, and they're a great company to work with. And they're, mm-hmm. they've been sticking with us for a while. And I keep saying, you know, like, just, I'd, I'd rather stick with you. And if you look through our history of sponsors, it does not change very much um, because it's typically with people that we want to stay with. Um, yeah. Unless they're, unless they've said, no, we're going a completely different direction in our business. We're like, Hey, you know, it was great working with you and glad to help out. So, yeah. yeah. So can I ask like budget, like how much does I don't know you can give a rounded round number but like to put on one of these events how much does it cost like <laughs> at the end oh can, man can you ex- disclose that or just say okay this event it ended up being like I don't I, I we I, won't, I don't want to get into it too much but I will say I mean like there if an event goes really well you can make some real money at it but a lot I know of, there's, <laughs> there's, there's there's a lot of events though that struggle there. It's, yeah. it's we've been around because we try to keep our costs under control and we run for 14 years, but I see a lot of events that come, they make a lot of noise. Um, they kick up a big stink and then they're gone in two years because they put so much money into their production and so much money into their marketing. Yeah. Um, but it was a bit of, you know, if you don't get the people and you don't get the, the, the if you don't get it right. You don't get the vibe, right. Then it doesn't work. So yeah, budget's really hard. It really, mm-hmm. it, kind of depends and i think it's location specific as well um and yeah, budget comes into design you know I, in southern ontario and i say southern ontario because i know brendan here runs the um the gravel series out of ottawa yeah yeah we talk a bit and he was he's like oh it's so much cheaper up here to run them but we have more population down here and and so that's there's there's that give and take because there's fewer regulations no one's no one's paying attention in the ottawa valley to what you do um, exactly I, <laughs> when I worked in storage, I was managing a bunch of offices in the Ottawa Valley, and I kept this one agent's office. The every Monday, I got a call from, from one of the workers there and say, "Now, Dan, remember, we do things a little different up here in the valley." And I just laughed, and I always knew it was a good story. Um, I said, "Okay, I've got to like I got to come and check this place out in my next office visit." But um, yeah, there's just a bit more space. So, like a race closer to Toronto, if you don't design it right, the, the police costs are sky high. Yeah, yeah. So, it's it's mm-hmm. really expensive and i know talking with brendan he's like uh i think we just tell them that we're running a race and they go have fun um and so it's, that's it's, what happens over here actually yeah well it might it might change for gra- the gravel well the gravel it's way like out out of like nobody's land right like but well, that's the key with gravel I, because people from outside when I managed a bike shop, you'd have customers come in. They say, "Oh, I want a road bike. Mountain biking is too dangerous." And I had a hard time suppressing the laughter because road is crazy dangerous. Mm-hmm. Cars, metal cars, are much harder than wooden trees, um, and a lot of the accidents on the road are not. You don't get hurt when you make the mistake. You get hurt because someone ahead of you in the pack does something mm-hmm. and you back at forty k an hour. Mm-hmm. Whereas mountain biking, if you can hit twenty k an hour in single track, you're a pretty awesome rider. And so the, in, the the impacts and the and the, the the forces are much lower, and there's some injuries, but it, it seems a lot safer. And I think gravel, it really kind of hits in there. It's it's a little bit of the mountain biking where the speeds aren't quite as high, but you're and 
you're on quieter roads. Like for me, the big thing of gravel, and I explained this when we go to um, mm-hmm. the town called Mulmer and I talked to the guy who's in charge of the roads. And I think 95% of the roads in Mulmer are gravel. And he just looks like, why would you want to ride a bike here? Because he's like some road maintenance guy. <laughs> uh, and we've got a great relationship now, but I just said, you know what? We want to ride there because there's no cars. Mm-hmm. Said, you know, the biggest risk is that we have to watch out for your grader going down and fixing the gravel. That's what we're looking for. Um, that's the worst part right after you grade <laughs> yeah uh exactly we, we actually had the one town graded the start fin at this actually this um scrappy badger oh, the, no. the, fair, the first gravel road that's also the end because it's what i call a lollipop you go out and then loop back come back yeah, in. yeah they graded it on friday afternoon oh shit <laughs> and then everyone had to ride out like you basically went up the little climb downhill turn and then up this graded road the first climb <gasps> actually great i was like oh you're gonna sit about 20th on the first climb just saying uh just let some people pop it in first um go somebody go with their car right now yeah yeah really slowly a few times um (laughs) but the whole point is to get away from traffic you know it's to get away it's not quite as technical as mountain biking you know so and there's some depending on the race director um there's different approaches to to gravel as i like to call it Mm -hmm. um and so it's, yeah, you're, you're looking for areas that don't have cars, which also helps keep the cost down and depends where, like, I know, like talking with, with Tim at Paris Tangaster, I mean, because that's a classic iconic race that covers this span that's now had a lot more infill, they have a lot of policing because they have 3000 people showing up and it's, yeah, um, and, it, and it, it's fast and it's a race at the front. There's no one's, mm-hmm. no one's got time to look for things uh, because there's a big pack that stays together for a lot of it. So they have a lot of policing costs. And I, I mean, I think that that would be, that race exists because it's 25 years old or 20 years old or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's the same with like uh Barry Roubaix. Like they, I think they're running on 30 years, 30 plus years. Like oh, I've done that one twice. I didn't think they were that long. Um, <clears throat> what did I say? Well, it's I at least 20. I would say at okay. least 20. Cause like Matt took it over from another couple. Um, oh, okay. and it's been, it's like the longest, oldest, largest yeah. gravel race. I might be wrong, but I'd have to go back. Um, I know it's the largest, but it's also funny because in the shorter distance, because I've done it, I've done the hundred k twice. Um, and the one year was so it was so fast, it was hysterical. We finished it in two fifty one. The one, first year I did it for the hundred k. Oh wow! Like it was it was a fast course. Um, Holy! Well, they're changing it up this year because I'm going for the the one hundred mile. Uh, okay i heard yeah and they're was like yeah this new stuff and this new i'm like no i well, want to go back <laughs> yeah well and it was a neat thing because the first year i did it the course was frozen and i literally couldn't eat or drink the whole course because my bottles froze well so did, did you do it last year no no i haven't done it then i did it another time and it was four degrees and pouring rain the whole time oh. um half the field <laughs> up. the road was soft it was super slow and half the field pulled out because the condition there was just so hard. I finished, but I I I, I almost crashed multiple times because my the water was running down my arms and filling up the gloves. And oh, gloves gross! Started, oh my and god! I couldn't. You couldn't grab the brakes. You couldn't. So you'd have to like every kilometer, you'd have to hold your hand up in the air and like do this down, and then squeezing <laughs> the water out, and then you have to push it down your because if you didn't, you do this and it all runs right back in. This is while you're riding down the road. And, and my right shifter was bent in because the only way I could get to shift was just hitting it because you couldn't feel anything. So everyone's bikes oh, were, it was, oh, it was so cold and so slow. And, 
Um, but I like it because it, it is fun because they kept it the same for a long time. And that yeah. was, it's also not a technical course. Um, no. So that's one thing I find interesting. Like, so that race, you can almost do like on a slick most of the time. Like there's- Yeah, a, I would say. That the, the first time I did it, I almost bridged the lead group on that ATV track because they're all roadies and I'm not a roadie. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it gets technical, I catch up to people. Um, but then, yeah, they got rid of it the next year because it was too muddy, which I was like, well, let's do more of it then. Yeah. Lots more people. Mud is good. Yeah. Yeah. Sketchy is good. But it's funny. So the, the thing with gravel is there's a lot of range, right? Like there's like yeah. my races that are designed based on what I think is going to be fun. And that's it. It's what would be fun. What's something cool to do? And for a long time, we had the policy that it was as long as I could drive. Um, it was a first a Subaru Outback. If I could get a Subaru Outback through 95% of the course, then it's legit. Because the first time we did Eager Beaver, we had a one kilometer run up, which was inspired by um, Iron Cross and the three peaks. Uh -huh. um, so we had this one run up. But other than that, it was all I could, as long as I could drive my Subaru through. And it was not a new Subaru. And it was badly crashed. Uh, and then yeah. Scrappy Badger, it was if I could drive my, at, at that point, I had a Nissan Xterra for pulling the trailer. So it has like locking differential four wheel drive and all that stuff. So it got a bit more gnarly because as long as I could get that thing through. Um, and so there are some cool little mud boggy sections and all that. And so I like courses like that, where it's a bike race and you're going out and having fun and, you know, kind of around every corner, there's going to be some new challenge and everyone just has to get through it. And if you're on a mountain bike, it's faster there, but it's slower elsewhere. Uh, and I know other directors are like, no, no, it's got to be all rideable and it's all like smooth gravel and a minimum. So there's different grades. And I think that that's probably one of the better things about gravel. Like there's no, mm -hmm. one, there's no one gravel race. You yeah. know what I mean? There's one type, there isn't one approach. It can be whatever is interpreted, different areas, um, different types of gravel. Um, like there's some places you go ride and everything has a red tinge um like i had a base layer shirt that i did a race in central america once and it still has a reddish tinge to it from the mud the clay <laughs> mud and same with like um stillwater oklahoma there's a big race um and it's yeah like if, if it's at all wet you're getting covered in this orange mud um so it really depends on where you're and that's one of the great things about it so oh, yeah, this... it's a big part of like yeah so of course like running an event it's it's a it's a whole mixture of how that all comes together and the budget it depends you know like so like it's shocking part of our budget is transportation but when you look at the budget people don't realize the like vehicles wear and tear and having you need like having it all oh. or having a licensed atv that you can take through you can go do extract if someone gets hurt you can get into places and extract um <sighs> also for planning and for gas mileage um and going and finding these routes like it's it takes much it, the way that I do it, because I want it to be really awesome, it takes a long time to create a route and it takes a lot of exploring, a lot of- Okay, I haven't hit that part yet. I'm just still on roads that everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, is, I... well, that's going to keep your budget down, right? Yes, it is right now. It's all, it's all that balance of how that works <laughs> but, out. But yeah, so it's, yeah, because um, like I said, I haven't gone out exploring a whole ton. I know of some stuff that I've ridden, but- right now i just like to keep it where people are like know the roots and getting more women in this area interested and trying it so yeah keeping it fun while challenging i think there should be challenge in there you should be climbing some sort of gravel hill um or road i should say um because that's all part of it um 
and uh, and then you know a little bit of an event at the end um, and uh, and and bringing the community in on it as well which is yeah. you know just uh, trying to include as much and getting the people back out into the the, the uh, village afterwards so I mean I just I went I bought like gift certificates for ten dollars each and I gave it to everyone to go and have a coffee and a donut at, at, at the bakeries that were local. Right. And so, yeah. uh, cause I didn't have any food on to present after. So it's like here, please go into the community, you know, um, and, uh, and, and visit, you know, the people there. So for yeah. me, that was, a little bit better so people would go in and and find a new place maybe they hadn't been to that bakery before because they've never been local here so but that's kind of what i did that's awesome and, well i think another big thing is it's it's getting more women out into participating in the sport um the women are what i it's funny because in the industry side like women are buying bikes women are interested um mm -hmm. there's there's involvement but they're not kind of being brought there's in. still a bit of fear there's still a bit of fear there I don't know why. Um, I think it's more the event type, like the, just the title or the race. It's the gotta be a race, like, you know. Well, that's why we, I try to say event and it's funny because actually back in my coaching days, I coached a woman who was um, master's downhill world champion. Like we, I coached her and we got a world championship, which is awesome. Um, and working with her is funny because she was, she didn't have fears. Like she didn't have that nervousness. Like she like, always like cut up like her like shins were destroyed um from slipping a pedal and that's just how she rolled like she used to just race her car when she was a kid um but i think as well that there's just there's that sort of there's some sort of innate there's well-meaning people that still say well give an example a previous neighbor who actually did women's film studies and it was like crazy feminist um which is awesome not say in the bad way but she had a daughter and her daughter went and did something and this mother who's a like uh, academically feminist it was like oh no she'll skin her knees right like, there's that kind of that bias of oh what if you get hurt what if your knees aren't perfect and I was like, like what if I was kind of annoyed at her I was like she's six she, she you should skin your knees when you're six you should crash into things because you still bounce back um and I think so there's just there's a bit of a bias in that inbred that goes into a sump like it's, it's just kind of like societally there's mm -hmm. a bit of a difference and I what I'm seeing from the outside as a, as a guy um, is that there's a bit of a shift and there's still a bit of that going on, but I'm seeing a lot of really awesome younger women coming up who aren't being taught that way clearly because they're going out and doing these awesome. <laughs> and I think as long as we just keep encouraging more women to say, you know what, like go and do this stuff, come out. And if anyone has input on how we can like facilitate that, because the reality is I've, I saw something about this and talking about, you know, female in, in sport and cycling and female race directors. So I'm like, yeah, there's just, for whatever reason, there's not very many of them. You know, I know. Yeah. I, know. I mean, probably because they didn't participate in the sport. Like everyone I know who runs races raced seriously and then could not get to grips with the real world and just tried to stay in racing. Like that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just well, well I don't know what my I, I don't want to go do adult life. I'm just going to keep doing bike stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't know so, what my excuse is, but because <laughs> I, I never grew up like that. Like, I mean, I grew up on a farm. I did okay. all sorts of crazy shit. 
but um oh, yeah but, but you're yeah, here. Just, and you're, yeah. you're going to push and try and, it because you did that and i'm seeing by the way if you ever i don't know if you watch cyclocross racing at all yeah sometimes um, I, I watch all the world cups and stuff and just seeing, uh, Femme Van Ample and Puck Peters, like they're these two extremely young, like they're like 20 or 21 and they're crushing the world cup and they're on like a cyclocross bike skate, like doing double jumps and doing wheelies and stuff through the race and just like two wheel dress around corners. And what the, the Holmgren sisters, I don't know if you heard about, uh, Ava and Isabel, Isabel just won the junior world championships for cyclocross. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Do you know them? Um, we're not super close. I know, I know. I know their parents from back when we raced. <laughs> um, I think actually their mom, Lisa, was on uh, the University of Toronto mountain bike team uh, back when I was running that. She was on there for a year. Um, and Rob, their dad and coach, who's also the national coach, kind of handy, uh, pretty knowledgeable guy. But they, like, they're going out doing these awesome things, right? And you're seeing a lot of that example. Like if you, anyone who watches this, go look up the Holmgren sisters and what they did. And What's their last name? Holm. So H-O-L-M. Oh, hey. Holmgren. If you look, if you type in Isabel H-O-L-M, it better come up in the search because she's the first ever Canadian to win a world championship in cyclocross period in any category. Um, and her sister also, the two of them, Isabel won and Ava got second, uh, which is amazing. I think they put a third overall in the rankings in cyclocross, which is wow. Canada. And um, yeah, the first ever first and the first ever second for Canada yeah, cyclocross for world so that was uh, saturday yeah but there's so there's a lot of there's a lot of people are kind of getting Mm -hmm. out there doing those awesome things and we Mm -hmm. see everyone to go you know do the awesome thing try it um and i know for our events what we do some events will do a women's start and a men's start Mm -hmm. Uh, i know what we've done is we said no we don't want to do that because and, and i hope this encourages a lot of women to come out and try at our events i have seen about 90% of the time, the last place rider to finish the race is in the men's uh, 20 to 34 category. Hmm. And the reason I'm figuring this is, um, is it's because they hmm. are kind of their, their belief and their self belief is I'm awesome. I can do it. I'm going to go give this a try. And I think I'm going to crush this race. And then they're not, <laughs> they don't have the fitness, but they try, they have a good time. They come back or they were, they, did some sort of bribe from their friend that you <laughs> something along that lines maybe but i think but i, I see that there's so many women who are like oh i'm not prepared i'm not going to do well oh i know i'm like and stop it just go do it, it <laughs> and they end up finding like the number of women who have who come across the line and found out they're on the podium like this is my first race i'm like yeah because you spent so much time preparing and training getting everything together and you didn't just realize that you're already awesome and come out and try and get fifth and so there's there's a lot of it seems to be this thing where and i don't know where the messaging comes from it's just something i've observed that they're not that yeah like the the women the women are keep thinking that they're not going to do well and they end up passing a ton of people mm-hmm. uh, so we do a mass start where we say okay self-seed so if you think you're going to win go to the front yeah and if you're the first race and you're a little bit nervous and you don't want to ride in a pack start at the back mm-hmm. and then kind of roll out and then as you feel better roll through and if you're kind of thinking you want to go give, you know, this person a hard time, then go with them. And people tend to self-seed. And we see, um, again, uh, Jen Jackson came out to do one of our gravel races and she's now a uh, national cyclocross champion and she's, and she's doing it. She's crushing the world cup, but I mean, she got second overall um, just barely out of winning the whole race. And mm-hmm. she started in the front because she's a crazy talented rider. 
Uh, and then we have some other women who start in the middle and some start at the back. But the whole idea being that you can kind of self-select your comfort risk level. Mm-hmm. That's how we do it. Uh, and we've heard some people say, oh, can the women start separate? But we also don't want the lead women to have to ride through the beginner men. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't want all the women have to filter through. Not everybody feels that way of having, you know, a, a female only start. Yeah, yeah and we, I've heard, again, listening is a big thing. We try to listen and, and some people say we should have a female only start. And we say, well, this is why we do it. And we don't want to have you guys filtering through all of the, the pack of the slower riders. And the and especially if you're if you're a skilled rider who knows how to ride in a pack and you're coming through people who don't know how to ride in a pack, they do uh, intentionally, unintentionally, sorry, silly things. And that's where accidents happen. So we don't want mm, good point. Who are yeah. training hard. I don't want them being taken out by someone who's doing their first ride and doesn't know how to hold the line or doesn't know how to go through a corner with someone beside them. Yeah. So that's, that's good that point. Fact. But again, and, and if, if, you know, if, if people come and say, no, we really want a separate start, we'll do a separate start. That's awesome. Um, but that's kind of in our approach, but no, I mean, what you're doing is awesome. If you're, if you're able to, yeah, get more women out, get them participating and trying, um, that's fantastic. Cause it's definitely, it's something we all need to be working on and listening. Yeah. I have a big vision for, for it out here. And, uh, if all, all the puzzle pieces fall into place. It's all about everything and timing as well. Um, then in over the next couple of years, it'll be pretty awesome. But I've just got to keep it going because like I said, last last year is last minute. Now I've got a little bit more, I've got more time to plan and get everything, you know, uh, up and running, get a proper website, like all these things um, and uh, more community commitment and and uh involvement things like that so but this has been a great so everybody don't forget you're gonna go to substanceprojectsplural.com so substanceprojects.com and check out all the events that dan has going on and when you go to register one for one don't forget to use the code sylvie to get a discount at checkout so that that is good i think dan's going to put them on uh that code on all the events so especially for women maybe it should be just for the ladies i don't know if you could do that but anyways get we're just looking for oh, more people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be a woman well, maybe you'll do that next time, but, but use the word Sylvie or the code Sylvie to get a discount, uh, at one of his events. And I want to say thank you so much for sharing. Like, wow, you have so many, uh, amazing things to look forward to this summer and every year things to put on the calendar. Um, if you're more the Toronto base or even like, you know, if you're from here, oh, and, uh, if you're across the, uh, into the United States, not too far to come up and participate in a Canadian event. Yeah. One from Ottawa, a lot of them come down for our Kingston events. The MTV yeah, King- Kingston's good, close enough. Pretty crazy place. It's, it's actually all private property. Oh. And the guy who owns the hub of it, his son raced World Cup downhill and they have a construction oh, company. So they build whatever they want. 
Yeah. Ooh, that's go, a good partner. Yeah. He goes and travels like to go and do a ride somewhere. He was in, in Colorado or in, in BC, saw some stuff, but we should do this. Took a picture of it, got some wood and got some guys and just built it on his own property. So yeah, always a fun, weird course. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dan. And thank you everybody for listening and tuning in. And please don't forget or try to share this with your buddies and make it a road trip. I freaking love doing stuff like that, grabbing friends and making it a weekend or a day, uh, piling everybody into the car, throwing the bikes on the roof or in the back and, uh, and having a great time. So, and uh, find us on Instagram and YouTube as well. Don't forget to follow us there for every uh, uh, podcast episode goes up there. So you can watch everybody as you uh, listen. So thanks a lot, Dan. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, everyone. And there you have it, guys. That was an amazing chat with Dan. Um, Obviously, as you probably were figuring out we could have chatted for a whole lot longer and we did for about an hour afterwards <laughs> about all things cycling events and uh yeah so and she's gonna put me in touch with some pretty cool people but like um it's really cool to know that on canadian soil in ontario there are more events that i did not know about and then now you know about and like is saying, make sure you use the word code word Sylvie to get your discount next time you uh, register for one of his uh, one of Dan's events and everything is found on substanceprojects.com. So you have no reason to not have a really cool summer of full of racing events or just full of events period. Um, one of the things that we were talking about was the fact that me being a woman, they're trying to get more women involved in events. Um, and uh, so my event will have a shorter distance for beginners, longer distances for those who want a bit more of a challenge and a much longer. So, um, but it's just a matter of going out and having fun with your friends. And that's all it is. So with that, have an amazing day. And I hope you enjoyed this. Please, as we mentioned, to follow us and subscribe on YouTube um, and on Instagram and share, 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 share this one with your friends. Thanks a lot, everybody. Take care. Have an amazing day. Bye. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment, telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. 
Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.